What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit Twitch channel. My name is Jeremy Rice, and I'm the managing editor of Pride of Detroit. We are here for an emergency session. Talk about the Lions 53 man officer. Right down there, waving his hand is our buddy, our friend, our social media manager, writer, editor. Pretty much does a little bit of everything like I like our staff. John Whitaker is here. John, how are you doing, buddy? Hello, doing pretty well. Happy to be back on. It's been a few weeks. It has, yes. And we're happy to have you for this, uh, about to say momentous occasion. That's probably overstating it a little bit, but it was obviously a big day around the NFL. Teams cutting down their roster from 80 to 53. The Lions were obviously among those teams, and they thankfully didn't have us waiting too much long after the 4 p.m. deadline. Um, I, I think we should just like jump right into it. I mean, there, there were a lot of surprises today. There are always a significant amount of surprises, and I, I think I think this one's probably on par with the amount of surprises that we normally see. Um, you know, I like to think that I'm a pretty good beat reporter and, and could nail like 50 to to 50 like. I, if I land in the 48 to 51 right out of 53, I feel pretty good about myself. And I haven't I haven't looked to see how much, but it's probably on the lower end of that spectrum this year. So maybe a little more surprises than normal. But um, let, let's go straight to you, John. What was what was your biggest surprise of the Lions 53 man cuts? So coming into today, um, I actually tweeted out saying that I don't think that there will be that many surprise cuts. I said I'd be more surprised but some of the people they keep. Yeah. And I was proven wrong because they ended <laughs> up cut, cutting uh, Jason Huntley, which in my mind mm-hmm. is probably the biggest surprise. I know we had him on our bubble watch for a good bit, but to part ways with a fifth round rookie is pretty surprising because, you know, obviously they'll want to try to bring him back on the practice squad. There's no way they simply just cut ties with him fully. But at the same time, you know, a fifth round rookie, that's pretty enticing for other teams who are, you know, maybe looking to, to acquire some talent. And that's the key word is talent. He has quite a bit of that. There's a lot of potential with him as a either pass cashing guy or a kick returner. So it's a uh, it's a bit of a big risk to put him on waivers so early. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because you know I think a lot of people are saying you know there's not as much risk this year putting guys on waivers because there's no um, preseason tape out there, but there is athletic traits. There is you know RAS scores. There's there's spider graphs. And the the cat has been out of the bag for a long time that Jason Huntley's got a ton of raw talent in terms of speed, in terms of agility. And, and you're right. I think that does make him a little more vulnerable than than some other guys that the lines have waved today uh, on on the waiver wire. And yeah, I think I think it's it's a significant risk. It's one I think they, they probably feel it was worth taking. Ty Johnson is a very similar player. It's something that we've been saying really since they drafted Jason Huntley, which was a, a bit of a head scratcher at the time, not because he's not talented, just because it seemed like a little redundant. And as of right now, seems like that's kind of true. Maybe he was a little redundant, but I'm with you. I think it's someone that they they want to bring back. Maybe it's someone that they thought uh, would, would challenge for the punt return job a little more than he did or you know be more of a special teams maybe the advancement of Jamal Agnew as a wide receiver and you know continuing his pe- special team skills 
made Jason Huntley a little more expendable. Maybe that was their miscalculation when they when they drafted um, <clears throat> Huntley. But but yeah, once that news came down, it was pretty obvious to me that Jamal Agnew was going to stay. Obviously, it, was, uh, it it meant that that Ty Johnson was sticking around. But to me, it wasn't the only surprise at running back. I think I think Bo Scarborough sticking around was was a mild surprise to me. I didn't have him on my fifty three, and and it really had more to do with what I viewed his value to the team and. Part of it was the fact that he missed basically the first two, three weeks of training camp, and anytime you do that, you're you're already behind the eight ball. Um, part of it to me was, well, I mean, you got on Johnson, you got DeAndre Swift carrying the rock. What role does Bo Scarborough have? Uh, is is that kind of power back role really worth it in this offense when you have two guys that are willing to you know lower the head between the tackles? And maybe maybe they aren't bowling guys over like Bo Scarborough, but it's not like I don't know. I, I I think the Scarborough hype has always been a little bit too high based on a, a small sample size from last year, but he's a talented guy. He's a great story, and, and hopefully he'll prove me wrong there. Yeah, I've kind of been the same you know, page as you. I, I'm i not very high on Scarborough. Obviously, for him, injury is our big uh, problem, which is a recurring theme with this Detroit Lions running back group. <laughs> yeah. Not something to be proud of. But um, as you said, like just the role for a power back – we kind of, you know, I was on the edge between having either Scarborough or kind of Williams fulfill that. Yeah. Um, but the reason why I believe in the most recent um, bubble watch we did, I didn't have either of them in. And it was simply because I figured they would have Huntley. And then all of a sudden you have Huntley, Swift, Johnson, and Johnson. And, you know, that's a pretty decent running back room. I think carrying an extra one wouldn't really make sense. So from a numbers perspective, I think you're okay with having five backs if you include the fullback linebacker Gaminda. Yeah. But in terms of his usage, I really don't know if we should expect anything from him. I mean, I'm thinking he'll probably be inactive most game days. Yeah. It, it really will be interesting what they do with him. I, I don't know if I would go far as call him inactive. I, I think, I think the plan is probably just really be that goal line guy. And it seems like kind of a waste of a roster spot. Cause I don't think Bo Scarborough brings a ton in, in terms of practice um, and I'm sorry, in terms of uh, special teams, but you know, it, it's something you just kind of have to wait and see. Um, yeah, it, it, it's kind of confusing to me because obviously, I would say something, mm-hmm. someone, even if Jason Huntley wasn't going to be a returner, he's someone you could see on the special teams um, unit, whether he's you know a gunner or punt protection, any any sort of things like that. And I'm not sure I see that in Bo Scarborough, but you know what, we didn't get to see him much in camp. Maybe that's something that they've been. Uh, trying to ease him into and, and something we'll see on game days. Um, mm-hmm. But let's let's move over. Do you want to talk quarterbacks really quick? We probably don't have to talk too long on uh, it. Yeah, I think it's worth talking about. I wouldn't mind can actually just go through like each position group really quick. Sure. I think that's probably a good way yeah, to go yeah. about it. Uh, yeah, for the quarterbacks, um, I personally don't have a problem with keeping two quarterbacks. But the problem is this year kind of feels like, you know, a big asterisk next to it. Sure. It's like if there's any sort of year when you need to be cautious about the quarterbacks you have on your team, this is probably it. So I think David Blau, he isn't going to be like a starter for anyone. I think at very best, he's going to be a decent backup. But at the same time, getting rid of him, it, it feels like one, you put a very big risk going back to a similar situation to Huntley, where, you know, maybe another team who's looking for a guy that can develop will claim him on waivers. And um, another thing to consider is that if the Lions end up, you know, not claiming anyone on waivers and Blau gets picked up, who do they go after? They try to snatch someone off uh, onto their practice squad kind of thing. Like I know uh, Josh Rosen is a pretty hot name, but he's more than likely going to get claimed. 
And think of the Lions won't know if they lose Blau until after their claim's already in. So we'll see how that works. Well, I mean, let, let's talk briefly on Josh Rosen. I mean, we might as well. The Lions have yeah. third priority in waiver claims. Do they throw in a waiver claim? Is that maybe, like, when they saw Josh Rosen was released, was that maybe part of the reason why they dropped David Blau? Do you think do you think anything like that is, is possible? It's it's tough to say because he has a lot of potential. I'd say probably out of every quarterback that's been cut, he has the most potential. Obviously, being a pretty high draft pick will do that. But at the same time, I just don't know how key they are in developing someone like him. Because for me, David Blau, his ceiling is kind of as a backup. Sure. And I think it's good to have a guy like that developing on your team. But I feel like Rosen, with the Lions' current time frame, I don't really see him developing as a starter for the Detroit Lions. So the only other aspect is you end up you know, developing him and then trading him away. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that's the direction the Lions want to go. Yeah, it's interesting. It, to me, it, it does kind of seem like a, a low-risk situation. It would suck for Josh Rosen because he would essentially have yeah. no chance to start here for at least at least one year, probably a lot longer than that because, I mean, obviously it d- depends on what happens with you know this era of football with, with Patricia and, and Quinn. If, if they get fired this year, who knows what happens with Matthew Stafford. But in general, the Lions are locked financially to both Matthew Stafford and Chase Daniel for for at least the next two years, which means if Josh Rosen was here and he really wouldn't have a choice if the Lions claimed him, um, he, he'd be kind of in a rut. He'd be in a situation where he'd have to sit on the bench for a couple of years, and he's already had to sit on the bench for a couple of years despite being a first-round pick. So um, it would be quite a crappy start to his career. But from the Lions' perspective, I, I think it makes kind of at least a fair amount of it sense i mean he's not a guy that's going to threaten matthew stafford right away but he is a guy that you could develop into a long-term backup now now i think you're right that you know when you look at his physical traits and and his arm strength and things like that his ceiling is certainly higher than that but what's the problem in having that as your backup while he's still on your rookie deal as well i mean and and granted it's a first round rookie deal so it's not the cheapest of of rookie deals but it's not that bad either it really isn't i was looking Mm -hmm. at it earlier just to see if, if something this crazy could actually happen in Detroit. And I think it could. I really do. And given the Lions have third priority and, and the you know one of the teams above them just took a quarterback in, in the first round, I think there's a decent chance it happens. Am I crazy? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you're crazy. Another thing to consider is that even if you just have him on the bench as your third quarterback, he's an asset whose value isn't really going to depreciate over the next few seasons yeah he's actually he's younger than joe burrow which i think a lot of people still forget about and you almost have to look at him as a rookie because when he got drafted by arizona obviously the team was very bad and they promptly jettisoned him after a single season in which i didn't think he played that poorly with arizona right um and then miami similar thing it feels like he never really got a fair fair shake over there considering they were basically exporting everyone off that team. So now, you know, the Lions, as a Josh Rosen fan, I would love to see him sit behind, you know, maybe someone like Ben Roethlisberger and then take over in like next year or so. I don't necessarily think Detroit has that opportunity, but there is value there. So it would be worth exploring. I wouldn't be upset if they put him in. Yeah. And I think the other more, I I don't want to say more logical, but maybe more likely options are, like you said, if, if Blau clears waivers, I think, 
him coming back to the practice squad makes a ton of sense. If not, uh, another name to keep an eye on, and, and this one certainly won't be as exciting as Josh Rosen, is, is Trevor Seaman, who also got cut. Um, but the Lions brought him in for a workout, um, what, two, three weeks ago? And so there's obviously at least a little bit of interest there. And so um, if they brought him in, I would say, and especially bringing him in in this COVID era where like you have to jump through so many hoops just to get inside the building, um, the fact that the Lions worked him out shows to me that there's at least some mild interest there. And if Blau were to maybe get claimed on waivers and the Lions didn't claim Rosen and they're in this kind of scrambling position where they only have two guys keep an eye out for Trevor Seaman he might be their guy all right let's move on tight ends also a small amount of surprise here uh I would say actually I'd say a significant amount of surprise I think most people had Isaac Nauta as their third tight end on the roster I had Matt Sokol all of us were wrong because Hunter Bryant despite his injury (laughs) made the roster as the team's third tight end but something else might be afoot do you want to explain it, John? Yeah, so I personally am happy Hunter Bryan made it. But what the Lions are probably going to do is put him on the IR. And because of how this season works, um, one, any number of players can come back from IR. And then two, if you get put on IR uh, after the cutdown day, keyword, after the cutdown day, uh, you can return after three games. If you get put on IR before cutdown day, like what happened with uh, Jean uh, Cornell, uh, he's out for the entire season. Yep. So that's probably what they're going to do in the coming days uh, is, you know, once everything's kind of settled, put them on there and then you can fill that roster spot. Because I think Hunter Bryant is a pretty talented guy, and I think the Lions have recognized that. However, just the injuries have really prevented them from getting a good enough look. And I think where he is right now, he's not healthy enough to play. So I think stashing him essentially as an IR, even, you know, we keep him on for three weeks, six weeks, whatever. I think that's probably the best bet. Yeah, no question. I mean, this was a guy that was highly coveted after the draft. He went undrafted, but he was considered one of the best undrafted rookies out there. PFF absolutely loves him. And yeah, I think the Lions knew that and didn't want to subject him to waivers. I mean, they could have waived injured him and tried to bring him back on IR, um, but they didn't because I think they, they really liked what they saw. And and what based on what I saw in camp for the first week and a half, I get it. The dude was was fantastic at running routes. He looked a lot better than than what I saw out of Isaac Nauta, out of what I saw of Matt Sokol. So they're like, listen, this guy could be the tight end two of the future after we finally move on from Jesse James' horrible contract. And so <laughs> let's not risk losing him. If we lose Sokol, if we lose Isaac Nauta, which both seems pretty unlikely, so be it. This is the guy that, that we're betting our future on. And based on what I saw from camp, that, that makes complete sense. And so... I get it. I I support it. It does leave the lines in a precarious situation for week one. But but like you said, if they put him on IR, maybe they just bring back Nodder. Maybe they just bring back Sokol and put him on the 53 with that roster spot. Um, it's something where you just kind of have to wait and see um, what they do. But I, I think you're absolutely right. I think he's headed to IR for three weeks, maybe a little bit more. I think, uh, I think Burkett said it was about a three-week injury, so it shouldn't take too much longer than that. So um, makes mm-hmm. sense to me. It's just something I, I probably should have considered that I didn't. Yeah. The the big thing right now is that the Lions, they don't have a kind of pure blocker. That's kind of what sure. Nato or, or Soko will kind of go for. However, it is offset by the fact that the Lions are carrying six wide receivers. Transfer into that. Yes. Well done. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the Lions keep go. six wide receivers. Um, I don't think there's much to say here. This is pretty much what everyone was predicting by the time um you know training camp ended jamal agnew proved that that he's a great backup maybe he 
could be a great backup slot, and he's obviously their, their best special teamer in terms of the return game. I expect him to return both punts and kickoffs this year based on what I saw at training camp. And then Quintus Cephas obviously got rave reviews at training camp. They're not going to cut a fifth-round guy. Um, unless he's Jason Huntley. Um, (laughs) 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 And then Marvin Hall, obviously, uh, the deep ball threat last year. I think they want to keep that big play threat around. And so not not many surprises there. Any any extra analysis that we need for the wide receiver group? Not particularly. For me, I think the biggest question was not about which receivers. It was about whether or not they keep five or six. And I think based on some of the previous you know, cuts, uh, Huntley, for example, I think it kind of showed that, yeah, they're leaning towards six. I don't think it's that bad. We'll see if it ends that way because I still think Hall and Agner are actually pretty similar in terms of offensive, you know, makeup. But I think it's a pretty good group to have. Can't complain. Yeah. And and I think people will rightfully complain a little bit just about, in terms of roster numbers, six at wide receiver is a little much. Um, When we get to offensive line next, um, it does seem like maybe it's at the expense of of some depth and other positions that they might need it at. But... um, we, we talked all camp about how talented the skill position players were. And, and while they had to cut at least one at running back, they decided to keep it all um, there at uh, wide receiver. So, you know, you, you want to keep your talented players around. I get it. And given that, you know, you also have to start thinking about the future, right? Like none of these guys are, are signed past this year. So you want as many of these guys to stick around as possible with Galladay Jones and Amendola still on one-year deals. I, I do believe Galladay still gets a, a, an extension this upcoming week, but we'll see. I just I just think the mm-hmm. Lions pl- played it smart here. Um, it does look like a lot, but I think all these guys are going to play um, some role or uh, some some kind of role, whether it's this year or in uh, in following years. Sorry about all these pop-ups, guys. I don't know how to turn those off. Anyways, let's get to the offensive line. We're going to use it all. We're going to talk about them all together because they kept eight. I thought they were going to keep nine because they're allowed to keep extra guys on the active roster as long as they keep eight active. I guess they're keeping all eight of these guys active on game day so they can do that. But um, I think I think the biggest surprise for me was getting rid of the veterans, getting rid of Kenny Wiggins, getting rid of Ode Abushi, two guys that made the team last year. Both gone, and now you're just... I mean, look at the guard center section here. You have your three starters in Mm -hmm. Joe Dahl, Frank Ragnow, and Jonah Jackson. One of those is a rookie, and then your backup is a rookie who hasn't looked particularly great in camp. That screams to me like, please no one get injured, or we're in big trouble. Yeah, bold. Yeah. I I mean, the, the, the caveat here is that almost certainly some of these guys are being going to be brought back to the practice squad and the way the NFL rules have it set up this year. You can bring guys up from the practice squad quite easily and and, and have them active on game day. So a guy like Bo Benshaw, if they need a backup center, um, will, will probably be available assuming he doesn't get picked up. I would say Wiggins or Bushi, now that veterans are uh, eligible for the practice squad, I'd say one or maybe even both of those guys probably come back. But it is alarming just looking at that right there and literally seeing one backup. Although there is a caveat to that as well. Yeah. And obviously the name that probably stands out to a lot of people is Matt Nelson. And yes. I don't think anyone had him in on our bubble watch. I don't think so. I no. know we, 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 we had a few people had Dan Skipper in. And I, I had Skipper in as a few times. And that was mainly because I felt like having four offensive tackles was a decent number. But I kind of expected there to be more along the interior. Yeah. And... 
I think Nelson was kind of a developmental guy. I believe he transferred from a defensive end, correct? Yeah, yeah he was a defensive line. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, you know, there's still some possibly untapped potential there. But, you know, he's uh, he's definitely pretty raw. Now, I kind of mentioned that when, you know, waiver claims and stuff come in, he might be a guy who moves. You know, maybe there might be some offensive linemen that are a bit more enticing. He could be cut. But at, right now, with how it is, I'm not super, super impressed with the offensive line. I think the starters are decent, but as you said, the depth is basically a puddle. Yeah, it's concerning. And and to be clear with Matt Nelson, he, he mostly reps at, at tackle, but the Lions had been rotating him in a significantly amount um, at guard throughout training camp. And, and I even noted on one of the highlights that the Lions posted to Twitter, it was like a, a needling of a pass through a couple defenders to, um, I think it was TJ Hawkinson. You can see in the background, Matt Nelson is playing left guard with the first team offense. So this was something that I, I think this is kind of like the caveat to, well, they only really have one backup interior lineman. They, they really have two with Matt Nelson. Um, he's, he's a guy that, I, I mean, that's how you win your way onto the roster with this coaching staff, right? Is versatility, a guy that can play inside, outside special teams, whatever. He's a guy that fits the bill, and he's always kind of been that long-term project of someone that they viewed a lot of potential in as kind of this defensive guy shifting over to the offense. And obviously the, he's made enough progress in the past year. You know, he was on the practice squad for most of last year um, in that year to to really win this coaching staff over. And I have to say I didn't see it coming, even though I did see him play guard a couple times. I, I, I just kind of assumed, given all the proven talent that the Lions had in the interior, they'd rather just go with a solid interior guy than this kind of – you know, guy that can play inside outside, but you know, maybe I was wrong and hopefully fingers crossed. We never really have to find out. Hopefully the the five guys that the Lions have stay as healthy as long as possible. But at the same time, you know, offensive lines sticking together for the entire year is quite rare. And so I think the lines would be wise to at least carry two or three on their practice squad and, and maybe even have one, you know, that they're allowed to bring two guys up per week uh, that is essentially extend the 53-man roster to a 55-man roster. I would expect them to do that almost every week with a guy, although they're only allowed to do it twice yeah. per person. I was a little bit torn on keeping Nelson. I, I really felt like the practice squad, practice squad probably would have been better for him. I feel like he's a guy who probably easily could have made it through waivers and get placed on the practice squad. And if he did get claim, I feel like it wouldn't have been that big of a loss. Yeah. Like someone like a Ben Shaw, for example... I feel like probably would have been a better talent to keep because one, he's still young, he's still a developmental guy, but he's seen a bit more action. And another thing to consider is that he can basically be a backup center too. Yeah. And right now the Lions don't really have that. I mean, Stenberg was playing there, but arguably he wasn't very comfortable. So it's a, a bit of a question mark going forward. Like if, if Ragnar gets hurt, do you put in Stenberg? I, I don't really know who slides inside. It's yeah. definitely a precarious situation. Yeah, I, I think... I think I think probably first on the priority list is Joe Dahl. He has a little bit of experience doing that, but obviously when you do something like that, now you're replacing two positions. Now are you bringing in Logan Stenberg to play left guard and having Joe Dahl to play center? Uh, probably, or maybe maybe you're bringing in Matt Nelson to play left guard and, and keeping Logan on the bench. It's it's just how how like that's that just kind of shows you how much of a house of cards this offensive line feels like. If Frank Ragnow gets injured, suddenly you're like oh, crap, this looks really bad because we're either starting fourth-round rookie Logan Stenberg at left guard or Matt Nelson, who's never played a snap on the offensive line in his life before. Um, and that that's scary. I don't, I don't, like, I don't like the sound of that. 
Uh, no. Chet's blowing well, especially up. Especially on a team where Matthew Stafford got hurt last Yeah. Year. I don't want to see anything re-aggravated. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Chet has been blowing up for the past five minutes telling me that Jadavion Clowney is signed with the Titans. Um, okay. <laughs> Great. Okay. I, he I was never, never coming to Detroit. to be in play for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm, I guess... How, how, I'm, much, how much did he get? I'm glad he went to the AFC team instead of an NFC team. It sounded like he was on good terms with the Saints so I guess that's good apparently that we're not gonna see one him. year 12 mil okay I'll, I'll I'll pass on that What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um. All right. Whatever. Speaking of the defensive line, segue. Let's talk about the they're, defensive they're line. <laughs> um. Another kind of right. thin position a little bit. They only keep six. Yeah. Although they they tend to kind of keep it low here, but. I have to say, I was a little surprised that Kevin Strong did not make the team. I figured this team wanted depth with experience uh, behind, you know, they're starting three or starting four, depending on what rotation they're they're in. But yeah, I, I would say the the omission of Kevin Strong. It's really the only surprising thing about this unit. Am I am I missing yeah. anything? It was it was it was pretty straightforward. I think the defensive line is probably one of the weakest positions, and I think if the Lions had, you know, any sort of decent veteran i think it probably would have pushed strong off the roster so mainly it just comes down to the numbers game yeah and i'm surprised they went so low because when you look at the roster um you know the defensive tackles are listed as shelton and uh Pinicini. so those are basically nose tackles that's all you really can get from them and then you have hand and williams who are kind of hybrid defensive end defensive tackle guys yep so really there isn't that much in terms of it, uh interior threat from this team and you know it kind of plays into the fact that the lines like to maintain contain over pass rush but i'm looking forward and kind of on a similar page with the offensive line is that if some of these guys get hurt that's not going to be good like all of a sudden if you know deshaun hand gets hurt again and he's been hurt a bit past uh past little while you know all of a sudden you're putting in nick williams who has only really had one good year to his name and then behind that who do you have? I mean, maybe you try to bring back Strong in the practice squad. I would like to see that. Call him back up. But it's a very, very weak position. And I feel like this kind of comes back to the draft in the offseason. Yeah. I feel like the Lions really didn't add enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I, I, the way I look at this lineup and basically what I see is like, 
this team is going to be in almost exclusively three-man fronts. You're going to have mm-hmm. either Nick Williams or Deshaun Hand on one side. You're going to have John Penasini or Danny Shelton at nose, and then you're going to have Romeo Quar or Trey Flowers on, on the right side. And that's it because they don't have the guys to do anything like that. Yeah. And all of these guys are probably going to be active on game day because they love to rotate their guys and keep them fresh. So it's like a lot of three-man fronts and then a lot of linebackers behind them because they kept a lot of linebackers, which we'll get to in, se- in a second, including one, I think, the biggest surprise of all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. This It just seems like they're they're, they're running pretty thin here. And while, you know, I like Romeo Quar coming off the bench, I like either Deshaun Hand or Nick Williams coming off the bench um, as soon as, like you said, as soon as one injury hits, well, then suddenly they're only one deep at that position. And suddenly that means they're, they're getting 70, 80% of snaps instead of maybe the preferred 50 or 60. And the lines probably have to go search the waiver wire or, or reach out of their practice squad, depending on who they keep around. Um, it's, it's a weird situation. And you knew it was going to be kind of rough because they kept bringing in these guys late in training camp. Cause Deshaun Cornell got injured and John Atkins opted out and, it was just, it was never a good situation to start. And it just, I mean, not that keeping around bad bodies was going to help, but I, I'm just, I'm still a little surprised Kevin Strong didn't stick around just because he had the experience over a guy like, I don't know, I, I not even over a guy, just a guy with experience in the lineup seems like it would have helped out this unit hmm. at least a little bit. And also, he didn't get that much last year because obviously he got hurt, but he still looked pretty decent. And in camp, from mostly what I heard, is he was looking pretty good, and I think we did have him on our bubble watch, but I never really considered him to be on the outside looking in. Yeah, I always he he was like pretty close to being safe in my books. Yeah, so it's a surprising move, but I mean we'll see what happens because obviously with waiver wire still to go, there's going to be quite a few moves. So yeah, and he I mean I'm, we we could all be I'm overreacting. Improve, but... Maybe he just comes back on the practice squad and they bring him up every now yeah. and then, and and it's basically the same. Or it could be when someone goes on IR, they yeah. fill that slot with him. Yeah. Possibility. I mean, I, th- I think maybe the thing we have to realize and, and continually remind ourselves is that practice squad has been almost doubled this year. It's going from 10 to 16, yeah. which is a huge jump, which means a lot of these guys that we're saying goodbye to right now, we're probably not going to be saying goodbye to them long. Because, I yeah. mean, while, while teams will probably get some waiver claims in here and there, as we kind of previously alluded to without a preseason, there's not a lot of information on some other guys out there. And so I think teams will keep their own players a little closer to the vest this year and having those six extra roster spots allows them to do so. Mm -hmm. All right. Linebackers. Let's hit it. Um, All right. Not as good of a segue. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. We, you know, can't, can't win them all. Um, (laughs) I, I had the lines keeping seven. They kept eight. And the one big surprise is Elijah Lee. He's he's has to be the biggest surprise, I think, of anyone kept on this roster. He's a guy that was completely off of most people's radar. Um, a guy that I don't think Lions fans noted much of when the Lions signed him because he came in that he he got he was signed almost in the exact same moment that Reggie Ragland was signed, and so he was a he was a footnote to to an article. Like I had to go back and search just to see when the Lions added to, to him. And the headline was re- literally Lions side Reggie Ragland and other linebacker, I think. <laughs> like, that was the headline. <laughs> and so I think most people just don't remember even the, the, the team signing Elijah Lee. So w- what's your take on, on the Lions keeping him? Because it's obviously a big surprise. 
So I am probably like one of the only person on the earth that had him as a possible roster uh, roster making maker. It's the guy who would have made the roster anyway. Um, and really, that all kind of sparked from a quote that Reggie Ragland had kind of towards late August. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me see where it was. It was all they did was add me, Elijah Lee, and Jimmy Collins this year to solidify this group and make us a good group. And I don't know what it was about that quote, but just the way that he phrased that, it makes me sound like it makes it sound like they're like really interested in giving him a you know decent role. Now you can obviously argue that lines didn't really add much at linebacker outside of those three, so that's why he mentions them. But I think one, he's a pretty good special teams contributor. I actually think that when it came to him making the roster, he probably would have challenged uh, Jalen Reeves Maven because they're both pretty similar, not really guys who play on offense, uh, offense defense. Um, Maybe fullback, who yes. knows? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, with yeah, I mean, should we talk about Kaminda in this group? <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of they, they technically kept like, nine linebacker as, I guess. Yeah, there we go. It's an oversaturated <laughs> group. But, um, you know, he might be a victim of the waiver wire when, when it comes in the next day or so. Sure. But I, I think the Lions are going to do something with him, whether or not it's just a special teams role. Because the thing is, he's still pretty young. And um, from what I remember, I believe he has a pretty good athletic profile. I, had, I have to check. Yeah, I, I think um, you're right. I mean, and, and one thing I, to keep in mind, too, is like this guy was not a complete scrub. He spent the last three years no. in San Francisco. Like, and and yeah. granted, last year he was mostly a special teams or guy. But before that, he was a, a big contributor. I think he started like six or seven games. And, you know, the, the 49ers defense is, is legit. Like, there are no scrubs, and, and he managed to stick around on that roster. And I think I think I underestimated the signing. I think I probably should pay more attention to him in camp. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I do I do kind of look at it, and I'd be like, why him and Jalen Reeves, maybe? It, it doesn't... Yeah, it, it definitely seems redundant. I know, now, I know this team loves their special teamers, and we're going to talk a lot about them in the next two sections yeah. of the defensive backs. But it just seems like they overdo it a little bit. Like let's let's chill on the the speedy athletic linebackers and maybe throw one more big guy in the group on either side mm-hmm. of the ball. Well, and it's kind of weird because like when Jalen Reeves Maven was drafted, we always kind of envisioned him, you know, turning into a guy who can be you know pretty good coverage linebacker. Obviously, he's not very big, but he's got some good quickness to him. Yeah, and you know, kind of when Patricia took over. None of that really came to fruition. It always kind of felt like he's been on kind of the outside of this roster. He hasn't really gotten many looks at linebacker other than when injuries have happened. And like going forward, I, I don't see him on the team next year. I, I really don't see interest from him joining the team as basically just a special teamer. And I don't really see him as a fit for the Lions, assuming that, you know, the coaching staff remains the same. I think Elijah Lee maybe has a little bit more versatility. He's a bit of a bigger guy. He's also pretty decent in coverage from what i remember uh i remember i think it was back in 2017 is when he was drafted uh i did like him as kind of a late round guy so you know there is still some you know potential to maybe turn him into a bit more of a you know positional player but i think going forward we'll we'll see what happens i I haven't exactly counted how many like we'll say quote-unquote pure special teamers the lines have but it looks like probably one of those guys will get cut in the coming weeks yeah and that's that's the thing we just have to kind of keep reminding everyone and ourselves like 
yes, this is the initial 53-man roster. It could change yeah. and probably will change maybe in, in the next 24 hours because in case you guys aren't aware of the process, everyone waived or cut today. If, if you're a veteran, you were released. If you're not a veteran, which is four years ex- experience or less, um, uh, that means you're waived, which means you, you're subject to the waiver wire. From now until noon tomorrow, everyone puts in their waivers claims at noon. The NFL's like, you guys, you get this, you get this, you get this guy, you get this guy. And then teams have an hour to be like, okay, wow, we got this new guy. Who are we going to cut? And then at one o'clock, all those cuts yeah. through. And then at one o'clock after that, practice squad time. And that's when you start adding guys to your practice squad, guys that didn't get claimed on waivers, um, guys that got cut because now veterans can also join your practice squad. And so that's what, why I say when things could change in 24 hours, I literally mean in 24 hours when waiver claims go through when practice squads start to get developed, all that sort of stuff. And we'll be here at Pride of Detroit covering all of that. Um, We might even jump back on here tomorrow to talk about all those moves, depending on um, if anything significant actually happens. If it's just practice squad Mm -hmm. additions, we'll probably just save it for the podcast. But anyways, we're not done here yet. Let's go to the defensive backs because we were talking about special teams. And man, look at the cornerbacks and safeties that they kept. You got your starters in Jeff Okuda, Desmond Trufant, and Justin Coleman. You got your primary backup in Amani Oruare. But you got Tony McRae, a guy that came from Cincinnati under our current uh, special teams coordinator, Braden Coombs. You got Mike Ford, who, yes, he's played a little bit of backup, but he's more valuable on special teams. You got C.J. Moore, who Braden Coombs absolutely loves and was an obvious guy that was going to make the 53-man roster after Coombs went five minutes on on C.J. Moore alone during a press conference. And then Miles Killebrew, of course, who is back at safety, I guess, and it doesn't matter because all he does is special teams now. And um, I mean, that's that's four guys alone out of twelve. So literally one third of your defensive backs are pretty much only on the roster to play special teams. Kind of crazy, right? Mm-hmm. It definitely is, and I mean, it kind of recurring uh, theme of this roster is if if players get hurt, they're going to be scrambling. And I think the lines are a little bit better at cornerback. Like I think Tony McRae actually had some decent reps as a you know cornerback. The camp, yep, Darrell Rob, yep. Roberts obviously has a bit more starting experience. Uh, same thing with Mike Ford. The lines have put him in there. He hasn't performed great in the past, but you know he's he's still a boggy who can play cornerback. And then I think C.J. Moore is kind of that. You know, he he's more of a stopgap. If anything, I feel like the lines they really like playing three corners. And I think if, even if you see any of these guys uh, dinged up for even just a few drives, um, he's a guy who can fill in. And I don't think he'll be a complete liability. I wouldn't want him starting long term, but I think he still has a decent enough look to start if you know worst case happens. And Miles Killebrew, I I don't really know what to make of Miles Killebrew anymore. He just kind of is there. <laughs> pretty much i actually yeah. i kind of like the the defensive depth of this group it's just they kept good defensive depth and a bunch of special teamers like they're so i think yeah I, when i lot. when i initially made my roster how i wanted it and i tend to go a little light on special teams i think i had nine defensive backs and then i'm like no the, the lines are going to do a little bit more than that Let, let's make it 10 or 11 i don't even remember what i ended up finishing with but at corner like like you said tony mcrae pretty Pretty decent backup, I think, at, at nickel. And then you got Amani Orare, who who looked great in camp. He might even be the starter in week one. We're not even sure yet. And then, like you said, Daryl Roberts is a guy who, who has um, starting experience at corners. So in terms of that, you're talking about two 
backups at, at outside corner with experience that are looking at least competent and then you have a decent backup in tony mccray as well so there you're good safety is a little more iffy but as, as they're noting out in chat like you're getting j ron curse back in week four um so you're at least okay there cj Moore, i think has a little more defensive skills than than some people give him credit for but for the first three weeks of the season yeah they're, they're pretty much just three deep and and that should be concerning i mean if tracy walker goes down that probably means Will Harris is stepping in at, at, at strong safety. If Deron Harmon goes down, that means Tracy Walker's back to free safety and they're bringing in Will Harris to play strong. And and not to take anything about against Will Harris, but he hasn't looked great in camp. He obviously struggled a lot in his in his rookie season. He did get better as it goes on. Um, so I think there there's potential there. I just don't know if he's ready yet. And given that this team likes to go three deep a lot in for, in certain formations and certain sub packages. Well, they really only have three guys capable of doing that right now, I think. And that's, I mean, if you have all three of your spots uh, taking, you know, taking your, your top three guys and you're left with two guys without a lot of experience at safety, you're, you're, you're playing with fire there. And so hopefully the Lions can weather the storm for three weeks before Jaron Curse comes back. But, um, yeah, I think you're right in terms of, of the secondary there, at least in, in the safety position that they're they're running a little risk there when uh when they're keeping so many special teamers so i just did a bit of a googling because you know mentioning the three safety set it kind of brings back uh you know the lines trading away quandre Diggs. oh yeah and the lines traded away Diggs for a fifth round pick and that turned into jason huntley I can't make this up. <laughs> so if if Huntley gets claimed, that's gonna be um, not ideal. Not the best Plus trade we the gave Lions up the seventh made. round pick. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm 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 gonna have to tweet that out because that's wild up. Oh, that'll be Just, good for clicks. I tell you. Yeah, that. that'll be great for depressing us all in in a time in which no. everyone is already always depressed. Oh, thank no. you, thank you for that, John. Appreciate that. <laughs> I had to look up. Well, I was curious. I like. I know. I know the Lions traded Diggs for a fifth round pick, and I was like, oh wait, no, oh no, please don't tell. Oh, oh no. So yeah, Detroit Lions. Huh? How you doing? I'm allergic to uh, depressing things. Yes. All right. I'm surprised you're. I'm surprised you're alive being a Detroit Lions. <laughs> All right. Let's finish off with the specialists here. Um, I don't know if there's a ton to talk about here. This is basically what everyone was predicting. Don Mulebach, of course, vanquishes his foes easily. Doesn't matter if matter if they're up for long snapper of the year in college. Doesn't matter if they're drafted in the sixth round. Don Mulebach will find you and he will defeat you. And so Don Mulebach coming back for the seventeenth season. Amazing. <laughs> plot twist the seahawks claim him how dare you lj if the seahawks claim jason huntley i'm i'm coming into your dreams and haunting them lj b ruffy don't put that out there oh no uh and jack fox wins the the punter job um i i i wish i had something more insightful to say but even trying to watch these guys at training camp it was neck and neck it's hard to tell who's you know unless there's a a, a significant you know, difference between the two, which there wasn't. It's hard to notice anything uh, at camp. So yeah. I was just going with the guys that were repping first, and it was Jack Fox and Don Mulebach, and, and lo and behold, those are the guys they end up keeping. Um, 
I think we're just going to have to wait and see with a guy like Jack Fox to see how it plays out because the guy hasn't played, obviously, at the NFL level yet other than some preseason. Aaron Sippos hadn't played either, so it was always just kind of a flip of the coin there, and the Lions flipped it one way, came up heads. We'll see We'll see how how it works out. Yep. That's all I, I think whatever direction the Lions with, went with, I don't think it would have been that big of a loss. Um, as we mentioned, basically, every time we brought up the punter battle, uh Fox versus Sipos is basically neck and neck. And, you know, maybe this is just us not being great when it comes to, you know, analyzing punters and whatnot. Probably should have uh, consulted Hamza a bit more. <laughs> but um, I, I think it also kind of comes back to the fact that the Lions, you know, they're really hedging on two guys with no experience coming into the season. And I always found that a bit peculiar. And um, like going back to the draft, like almost everyone had and the Lions is picking up Hunter sometime on day three. And they never went that direction. And even when it came to signing someone in, in uh, you know, the, the post-draft process, Sipos wasn't very high profile. I don't think many of us had heard about him. So it, it's curious to see that, you know, they're limiting themselves. I think that's probably a good way of putting it with Jack Fox. Because I think in, in the past when, like, Sam Martin got hurt and they basically walked in guys like, Casey Redfern or whatnot. Like I I kind of view Fox as a Casey Redfern. I I'll I'll be surprised if he, you know, performs amazingly. But at the same time, I feel like the puncher is a kind of position where just don't F up. Right. (laughs) Right. Just play just play just play just play fine and that's all we can ask. Just kick the ball in that direction and and make sure you don't get hurt. Mm-hmm. Because that was Casey Redford's fault. Like he he for, yeah. he one forgot to kick the ball, and then two <laughs> oh, no. got hurt. Like there were two rules, and you missed them both when you're Casey Redford. So Jack Fox, look at me, kick the ball that way, don't get hurt. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's all what I want. Did he not do. Also well, hold the ball on, on extra punt, points. So that was interesting. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. I guess it, long snapper. Yeah. Do you mm. want to talk a long snapper really quick? I mean, they, I, I'm, I'm really torn because obviously long snapper is a position that probably no one, no, no NFL fan is an expert on. I think there's very few people who, sure. who are very good at, you know, describing the long snapper position, but I feel like Don Muehlbeck, look, he's, he's, I mean, maybe not the heart and soul of this team, but he is a relic of this team. <laughs> and, um, Getting rid of him is kind of a hard move because it, long snappers are weird because you almost have like a certain connection to them because their position is so like, in our opinion, unimportant. And so that's why you kind of naturally gravitate towards them. But I feel like the difference between Mulebach and Wurzel or Wurtel, I don't know how to pronounce it, um, probably wasn't significant. And if you're going to look towards getting a new long snapper, this is probably going to be the year to do it. Because you have a new punter and there's no pre-existing chemistry there. Like if the Lions still had Sam Martin, I would say, yeah, you definitely go with with Mule because, you know, you're snapping to him as a punter, you're snapping to him as a holder. But now there really isn't that kind of thing. And, you know, what? You maybe have one more year out of maybe two more years out of Mulebach? Like he's getting up there in age. He's eternal. I'm sorry, but he he is. Okay, yeah, we'll see. If he he reaches 50, (laughs) I'll be impressed. Um you know, it, it reaches a point where, I, you know, when do you consider a youth movement? I mean, the Lions yeah. drafted uh, Jimmy Landis way back when, so it was definitely on their mind. And it's not it's not like, you know, 
Wirtel was that bad of a replacement either. So it, it's curious to see. I mean, maybe they'll put him on the practice squad. I don't know. But uh, it, it's possible. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It, it, like, like we keep saying, it, it's, it's not. It's yeah. 16 players. Like you could probably sl- slip a long snapper on there and not not be too I mean they had a they had Jack Fox on there for a while so it's not like they're they're averse to putting a, a specialist on there mm-hmm. and so um yeah I, I think it's possible that they put him on I, I now if they went as far as put one of the protected spots on him then that would yeah. seem like a little mm-hmm. overkill <laughs> but what well, is one one of the interesting thing that we need to consider about is that you know obviously if there's like a COVID outbreak that can be troublesome and I don't know about you, but I can imagine that most GMs don't have long snappers on speed dial. Right. So, you know, if he's a guy that you're familiar with and you need him in case of emergency, that's maybe not too bad to have. Right. And so, it doesn't we'll see what happens. I would say at this point, all 32 teams probably already have their long snapper set. So they're not like waiting like, oh, is Wordle on the on the waivers? Let's jump on that. Like, I don't think there's that many people waiting for that because like, I mean, not to say that it's an unimportant position or, or, you know, anyone can do it or anything like that, but you spend all training camp trying to develop that chemistry that you were talking about and to go in and, and get a new guy, a rookie who's never played in this league before and push him in at, at long snapper right away. That's a pretty significant week one risk when you literally are going to have less than a week to get him into camp and ready to go. Yeah. So I think there's almost no risk of, of putting him on waivers. The question is, will you bring him back or just kind of have him sit there and, and like you said, be on emergency dial? Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's wrap Alrighty. things up here. Um, I, I do want to s- make one more point about a player that we passed over a bit. Please. Going back to the linebacker group. Yes. Is uh, Austin, Austin Bryant. Good point, yes. And th- this is more of a disappointing, you know, sure. thing than, than a surprise. You know, I'm at the point where I don't know if he's going to overcome that injury bug. And he was basically in the same situation last year. And, you know, it took him, what? Like maybe I guess was, was he on the pup last season? He was on or IR. IR I can't he remember. was on IR last year. Yeah, yeah. So like he came back like pretty late in the season, and then you know he's probably going to be out basically half the year this year. And for someone who you know was kind of looking to be that Jack linebacker kind of position, you know now they have Aquara basically fill that void. And I'm kind of at a point where I don't know how he fits into this team in the future. And I'm thinking that when his time on the pup is is up, no no rhyme intended. Um, he, I I don't know if the Lions are going to keep him around. I mean, obviously there might be some injuries that open up a spot, but like right now, especially with that crowded linebacker group, like he hasn't been impressive enough in his very limited action to put him on. And you know, availability is the best ability. Yeah, it's a good point to make, and and it's disappointment is is 100 percent the right word for a fourth round pick to just see his career already derailed we're not even two two seasons in technically um is a huge disappointment because it, you heard bob quinn talking him up in the offseason i think you heard matt patricia talk him up a little in the office and the i mean bob quinn literally said austin bryant was in their plans to get a better pass rush this year and the dude hasn't practiced yet the dude the dude basically has gone through two training camps now and had like one total practice uh, not yeah. great. And so 
it's also a bad sign that they, they decided to put him to the reserve pup, which means he's out for six weeks. There was a chance maybe they activated him, and then they were going to put him on IR, kind of like the Hunter Bryant situation. I, I saw Eric Schlitt talking about that potential possibility. If they did that, he could have potentially mm-hmm. come back in three weeks. But the fact that he's exactly. on re- now on reserve pup, that means he's gone for at least six weeks, at least two months. Um, it's not good. And, and you're right, like – the Lions have already kind of started the replacement process by by getting Julian Aquara. It looks like Christian Jones is probably going to be your starting Jack linebacker this year. But um, and, and while that doesn't give me a lot of faith, I, the 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 guy coming behind him is is Julian Aquara. It's not Austin Bryant. So I don't know. Like you said, we'll we'll see where the roster is at in six weeks, and and maybe the Lions like him and 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 will keep him around. I would say you know there's a good chance if they're you know they they like what they got by six weeks is over there's a chance they decided then put him on ir because that's once you get to that six week period on pup you have then i think two weeks to decide whether you're going to activate him to your team or you're going to put him on ir or cut him and i think maybe maybe we got to start talking about the best thing for him is to you know what put his 2020 away and say you know what let's try this again next year let's try it with the full off season hopefully we won't be in the middle of the pandemic hopefully we'll get some otas in there some mini camp actually get you out there on the practice field give you a full off season and then see what you got because at this point i mean even when he gets healthy when is he going to be actually ready to play the guy hasn't the guy hasn't practiced in off season at all and so he hasn't been healthy he hasn't been healthy since college yeah like it's a concerning thing if you're you know, a Lions general manager or coach is that, you know, you have a roster spot for him maybe, but it's like, can you rely on this guy? And at this point, he hasn't proven anything to rely on him. You know, he hasn't performed well enough when he's been on the field and he's been off the field way too often. So it's it's definitely disappointing. Yeah, so. no question. Oh, well. All right, uh, we're going to wrap things up there. I know a lot of you are asking things like any players getting waived that the Lions should add. I've been so in the weeds with Lions stuff at all, I have to kind of look and see who's available out there. I've obviously seen a few names here and there, but um, I, I feel like we'll probably have an article like that up tomorrow morning on Sunday, so you can check prideofdetroit.com for analysis like that. And like I said, if the Lions make some waiver claims, make some interesting moves, tomorrow on Sunday we'll be right back here on our Twitch channel, um, which we'll also put up on YouTube if you missed any of it. Um, We'll be right there talking about the Lions roster. And then on Tuesday is our big Lions-Bears preview podcast. We're going to have a special guest there. We're going to make it a full-sized episode, not our normal first bite episodes, which we do during the season. And then we'll have a bunch of fun stuff between then, between now and then, including another podcast that I'm not even going to tell you what it's about. It's a secret. It's a secret podcast. So make sure you're following right here on the Twitch page so that you get alerts every time we go live. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And, of course, subscribe to the podcast because almost all this content is going up there. Actually, I'm not even sure if this one's going up there. But if you're watching right now, that means you, you get special access to things like that. And keep it that way by making sure you're subscribing and following and all that good stuff. For me, Jeremy Reisman at Detroit Online. For my buddy down there, John Whitaker at Whitaker, W-H-I-T. A-I-C-A-R Whitaker uh, <laughs> And there's no like extra U's in your name right? Yeah I know you're Canadian and everything No uh, A It's not J-U-O-A Literally, literally an A <laughs> W-H-I-T-I-C-A-R Yes uh, Yes <laughs> Yeah I, 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 I lost all the momentum of that outro So guys Sorry. It's chaos be kind we'll, we'll see you guys soon
What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.